What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the From Downtown Podcast. I am your host, Dahani Joseph, and today we are recapping the NBA action from Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. Last night was a nine-game slate, and the games we saw were pretty damn good, pretty impactful. Um, Cleveland versus Boston looks like the Eastern Conference semifinals matchup that nobody really was expecting, but everybody wants now after two overtime games. Man, like, these two teams are going to be going at it. I really hope we get that matchup in the playoffs at some point. Obviously, so have guys like Philadelphia. You might worry about Miami, Toronto, the Bucks stopping that matchup from happening. But you want to talk about fireworks. You want to talk about overtime, clutch play on both sides of the, of the floor for both teams. You can't really beat that. And the Lakers are winning now. That that's impressive when you think about the start that they had, and everybody basically gave up on them. Everybody gave up on Russell Westbrook to be specific. I did not. I'm on the record. I did not give up on Russell Westbrook. I think I thought that he needed to have a changed role, and look what happened when they gave him a changed role. Um, they started winning. So props to Darvin Ham. Props to Russell Westbrook. I will get into those games as well as the other seven games on the slate for Wednesday coming up right here, right now. The first game that we are getting into is the Lakers versus Pelicans. This game, we saw the Lakers. Second win in a row after an 0-5 start to begin the season. And when you look at this, the game, right, the Lakers won 120-117 to 117 against the Pelican squad, who is still not whole. We saw Brendan Ingram, who was out, although he's reported to be playing on Friday. So that's good news for the Pelicans, but... They did not have him Wednesday, and they they needed him to a certain extent. Um, for the Los Angeles Lakers, the winners of this team, defensively, they still aren't great. They're not god-awful, but they aren't great. Give them credit. Well, give the Pelicans credit, credit rather. 117 points without one of the top leading scorers. This team is just deep. In terms of the guys that they have, scorers, you look at Zion Williamson, he had 27 points. CJ McCollum tipped in 22. Jose Alvarado with 15 off the bench, 6 of 8, 3 of 4 from three-point range. They, they have scores, and once you add Brandon Ingram, who can average 25 this year, that's a form of success offensively, at least. Defensively, they have moments, too, and they have guys like a Trey Murphy, like Anazi Marshall, long wings. You have guys that can defend in Dyson Daniels. Jonas Valanciunas, the big man. One of the most underrated big men, I'll keep saying that, in the league. These guys can play, and when you look at it, you have to understand that 
Pelicans aren't going away anytime soon. But going back to the Lakers for a second, offensively, definitely seen an improvement in the last two games since they won. One of the big reasons for that, Russell Westbrook coming off the bench. I've been talking about this for the last however many weeks, two weeks, since the season started. Westbrook should not be starting for that team, not because of his skill set, not because of a lack of talent, but just because when you look at his play style over the years, he's been best suited, even when he played with Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City, to play as the main guy on the team. He could facilitate, he can orchestrate, the team can move around him. He'll be the main focal point. When you look at his tenure in Washington, Yes, he had Bradley Beal, but oftentimes when they weren't playing together, those were the moments where he started getting a bunch of his triple-doubles, started to get the stats, rebounds, assists, because the offense was his. He was free to do whatever. On the bench for the Lakers, he's not playing with LeBron. He's not playing with Anthony Davis. Yes, there's stretches where they, the lineup makes it so they play together, but oftentimes he's playing with guys like a Wenyan Gabriel off the bench, Matt Ryan, who was a hero of this game more or less, with the shot that he hit to force overtime. But, again, playing with people like him, Austin Reeves, Troy Brown Jr., not the star players, but supplementary pieces that ultimately will allow Westbrook to facilitate. He'll be able to be more free. I think that's the thing that has sort of been holding him back this year. A lot of undue criticism, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to Russell Westbrook. People put a lot of the blame on him. And yes, he's still not a shooter, although last night, 6-10 from the field, only 1-4 from three-point range, but 13 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds off the bench as a six-man, I think those are great stats. Those are numbers that any team would take. And they got the victory, so I think that the Lakers, they may have found a winning formula. More importantly than that, I think Westbrook is finding that type of joy that we saw back when he won the MVP of Oklahoma City. We're seeing the type of joy that he displayed when he was in Houston with James Harden. Just the ability to have fun on the court. For the last five, well, the initial five games, rather, of the season, you saw Russell Westbrook. He was kind of moping a little bit, not necessarily with the team. You could see he was unhappy with the situation. Reports coming out that maybe he doesn't want to be there, maybe he wants to be traded. The team also wanted to trade him. There was a lot of a lot of mixed feelings there, but last two games, especially the last game against the Pelicans, Westbrook looked happy. He was he was playing with a sort of freedom, type of joy off the bench where he could do him. And I think for a player like him with such an ego, he's such a prideful man on and off the court, but specifically on the court. You have to take that into consideration. Let him have his bench unit. And so far in the last two games with him off the bench, Two victories for the Lakers. Can't complain about that. Next game up, the Atlanta Hawks took on the New York Knicks. And it was Atlanta victorious despite them being down by 23 points at one point in the game. The Hawks stormed back, and that was on the back of DeJounte Murray with a career-high 36 points in the evening. 36 points sounds low for DeJounte Murray. Maybe that's just because I've been a fan of him for a while. I thought that he's been putting up more like these type of numbers consistently, but you know, thirty six points, great career high. He also shipped in nine assists, four rebounds. That's sort of the point of Atlanta's trading for him, having a second guard when Trey Young wasn't able to play or 
when he does go off the go off to the bench rather. He has a sidekick. He has someone that can be a primary ball handler. He has someone that isn't John Collins to make plays. I think they definitely missed that and needed that, quite frankly. The Hawks limited the Knicks to 10 points in the third quarter, which was a big point of emphasis for this Atlanta Hawks team, who we all know they would score. They'll be able to score. Always talk about Atlanta Hawks. They have one of the best offenses in the NBA, best starting fives in the NBA offensively. Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, John Collins, who can give you 20-plus points. DeAndre Hunter, who last night he did have 21 points, not 9 of 21 from the field, 2 of 5 from three-point range. And Clint Capella, who's a lob threat at any point in the game. You have a starting five that will get you a bunch of points in a hurry, especially with Trey Young, who had a not necessarily a subpar game by any stretch of the imagination, but 17 points, 7 assists. He did leave the game early due to an eye injury, which is a trend apparently in the in the league. You, you look at Darius Garland, who we'll get into later. He had an eye injury that sat him out for the first few games of the Cavs season. And then same thing with another player, Tyler Hero. All these players getting eye injuries, man. Yeah, I have to be careful out there. <laughs> but again, Atlanta, great win for them. For the Knicks side, giving up a 20-plus point lead. To the Atlanta Hawks. That's something that I know Tom Thibodeau is not proud of, specifically considering he's the type of defensive-minded coach that looks to avoid these type of things. And offensively, the Knicks were a top 15, top 10 team even at some points earlier in the season. I'm sure that won't necessarily last just due to their personnel. And as of right now, they are currently, let me double-check real quick, I believe, yeah, they're right outside the top 10 at 12. And when you look at the talent that they have, you know, R.J. Barrett can give you 20 a night. Same with Julius Randle. Uh, they they have guys, Jalen Brunson as well, Evan Forney. They have guys that can score. Obi Toppin as well, Cameron. They have a bunch of guys that can score, but not that one premier guy. We thought Julius Randle was going to be that for a while. And he has his moments, sure, but he's not that guy that seems to consistently give you 25 a night, and that's what the Knicks are looking for. They missed out on Donovan Mitchell, who, in Cleveland, he's a star, man. And let's get to that game now. The Cavaliers took on the Celtics. Another overtime victory for Cleveland. Another overtime thriller in general when you talk about Boston and Cleveland going at it. They played early in the season. Same situation. It was in Cleveland, excuse me, in Boston, Overtime victory for the Cavaliers, and that was without Darius Garland. This one was with Darius Garland. Six straight victory for the Cleveland Cavaliers. This team looks like one of the top teams in the NBA right now. For Donovan Mitchell, man, he looks like the answer to all of Cleveland's problems offensively last year. When you talk about a team that defensively, top five. Easily a top five defense. We talk about Jared Allen in the paint, Evan Mobley in the paint, and the length that they had with Isaac Okoro, guys like that. They were a defensively great team. Offensively, they had their moments. They weren't great. And that was the differentiator when you talk about other teams like the Milwaukee Bucks, like the Boston Celtics, Philadelphia even. They weren't Cleveland, that is. They weren't offensively great teams. Now, Cleveland has 
one of the top offenses in the NBA, borderline top five, 117.1, and that was essentially six games without Darius Garland, an all-star, a 20-point-per-game scorer, and an assist guy, so that will increase the offensive productivity for the Cavaliers. You talk about Darius Garland, man. He's been on a tear this season. When you talk about scoring, he had this stretch of, I believe it was three straight 30-point games to start the season, maybe even four. Right now, he's averaging 31 points per game, seven assists on 44% from three, 48% from the field. You want to talk about all-star, all-NBA. Donovan Mitchell, in a new situation outside of Utah, we all understand the Slightly ugly moments when you talk about Rudy Gobert and the COVID situation that really never got taken care of. Now he's in a situation with younger guys. Darius Garland and him have a really good relationship from what it seems. The entire team has a pretty solid relationship. Talk about Ricky Rubio, former teammate of Donovan Mitchell. The chemistry is there. The team looks like they're having fun playing basketball, which you don't always see from every single team. Despite some teams being good, some teams being bad. If Cleveland, they're good, man. And for Mitchell, he was constantly hitting timely shots. He's been doing this his whole career. But specifically in this last game, he was hitting shots down the stretch in the fourth quarter that made me think, all right, this game is over. Cleveland's going to win it. There was no overtime because he kept hitting shots. He kept getting the isolation switches on Al Horford. And he just went to work time and time again. Step back jump shots, pull up jump shots, get into the basket. Whatever he wanted, he got it. He got. Got it isn't the word. He got. And Boston had no answer for him down the stretch. They really didn't. And that's something that Joe Missoula, the Boston Celtics, have to figure out. Going from one of the best defenses in the league, one of the best defenses in history last year, in terms of margin of victory, their defensive numbers were all-time great. Now, whether that be due to Ime Odoka not being here, whether that be because Rob Williams is injured, or other factors that we might not know of at the moment, they aren't one of the top defensive teams offensively. Solid, 116.1 points per game. It'll take that any day, a top-10 offense. Defense, number 18, 114.4. Last year, they were in the Milwaukee realm, the the Toronto realm, in the 100s. That's something that's going to have to improve if Boston has any chance to get back to the NBA Finals, which, by all accounts, that's what the goal is now. This championship or buzz for this squad, especially with the acquisition of Malcolm Brogdon, with the other moves that they have made, and just the overall development of Brown and Tatum over these last few years. It's time to capitalize. It's time to cash in the check. And without their defensive intensity that they had last year, that check isn't going to be cast. The bank's going to be closed. Next game up, the Miami Heat took on the Sacramento Kings. And, man, Tyler Hero, he was the hero, man. Drained a three-pointer with 1.8 seconds left which ended up being the game-winning shot for a guy like Tyler Hero, who got paid. He was a guy that was perennially a sixth man of the year. Now in the starting role 
for this Miami team, showing that he can get it done. We all knew that he had the talent going back to his initial rookie year. We saw the promise. Then he was more of a six-man bench guy. Now he's in the starting role, scoring 26 points last night. He's showing that he can play um, for this game in general. <clears throat> 12 ties, 26 lead changes. That's credit to one, Miami Heat just always being scrappy, always being tough. They're always playing close games. This is how they play in general. But for the Sacramento Kings, man, they're always in games. Final score 110-107. Didn't mention that earlier. Sacramento 2-5 and five on the season, but, man, a few few things go their way. A few few calls, a few shots go down. They could be 7-0. and oh. I understand. You say that about every team. A few shots go down. Yeah, every team could be 7-0, and oh, but... We look at Sacramento, besides a loss against Memphis when they lost by 15 points, every game that they have played has been within single digits. They've always been in close games. Not like they're getting blown out every night. And credit to even now without De'Aaron Fox for this stretch. De'Aaron Fox averaging close to 30 points per game over the last few games, over the last few weeks. This team still fights, man. They still fight. They have veteran guys like a DeMontis Sabonis. He dropped 22 points, 12 rebounds, and 8 assists. Harrison Barnes, a steady veteran, he had 12. Kevin Herter, acquisition from free agency. He was over at the Hawks last year, 22 points. Malik Monk off the bench, 19. They have guys that can score. They have veterans. They have Matthew Dellavedova, which is a name I haven't heard in a long time in the NBA, but he's on this roster putting in 20 minutes. For five points, veteran leadership, championship pedigree. But again, the Sacramento team, man, they just need time. I really believe that Sacramento will drop will get out of that drought, a long playoff drought in the NBA. I don't know if it'll be this season, but next season for sure. I think when you talk about De'Aaron Fox, who's been improving, Keegan Murray, my rookie of the year pick, I will not back down, despite Paolo Bancaro looking amazing and Benedict Mathurin looking amazing right now. I'm not backing down from my pick. Keegan Murray, give him a full year development. I see him averaging 20 points, 50, 40, 90 type of dude. Davion Mitchell, he's a guy that I've been impressed with. Only had nine points, four assists, but more of a bench role. He's in the starting role due to De'Aaron Fox not being in there. This team has talent. This team has talent. I'll be interested to see where they finish in the lottery odds. If they are in the lottery, maybe they end up being in the play-in. Maybe they go on the stretch. But, you know, it's early. It's early for all the teams. Um, but for some teams, just because it's early, it doesn't matter. We, we kind of know their fate. Um, two teams that we pretty are cert- pretty much certain about in terms of their fate, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Detroit Pistons, they played. And... The game before that they played, it was close. Two-point game, Milwaukee squeaked it out. This game, Milwaukee said, all right, I'm going to stop playing with you guys. 116-91 victory. Milwaukee just showed how dominant they can be on a night-night-out basis, defensively and offensively. Milwaukee 7-0, the lone undefeated team in the NBA right now. Milwaukee also matched the franchise record with seven wins to start the season. I mean, look. They're defensively elite, the number one defense, giving up just a 
tad over 102 points per game. And considering the fact that they're missing an all-star, a 20-point-per-game score, and Chris Middleton, they show signs of having a top-10 offense. Right now they're in, I believe, top 15. I'll double-check that right now. But, again, for a team that won a championship, a team that potentially could have went to the championship last year had they had Chris Middleton, they're 16th offensively. No, excuse me, 18th offensively. So, you had a 20-plus point-per-game score, one of the most silky smooth shooters, scores in the league, and Chris Middleton. That's a recipe for a number one offense plus a top 10 defense, that sounds like a championship formula to me. That sounds like a team that will be in contention for the East, potentially to win the whole thing. Milwaukee is legit. Should be the favorites coming out the East as far as I'm concerned. Next game, we have the Chicago Bulls versus the Charlotte Hornets. Chicago taking this one 106 to 88. Five and four on the year, while Hornets are three and five on the year. And despite Chicago stars not necessarily playing the best, Zach Levine being held to 10 points, DeMar only nine, it was by committee for the Chicago team. Javante Green, 17 points, seven of seven from the floor. Goran Dragic, 16 points, 15 minutes, 16 points for a guy that Jason Kidd and the Dallas Mavericks, you know. Dragic and Luka Doncic, both Slovenian, they played on the national team during the summer. Very good connection. From what I've been told from reports and all of that, the Dallas Mavericks did not want Goran Dragic because they thought he was washed, let's, let's put it bluntly here. Dragic, in the twilight years of his career, for sure, 14th season, mid-30s, you know, for point guards that typically doesn't bode well. But Dragic showing that in a bench role, he definitely can score. He definitely is in a position that for the Chicago Bulls team, he's a bench point guard. He's going to be able to facilitate. Granted, Kobe White did not play last game. Who usually gets the starting or the bench point guard, six-man type of role. But Dragic in spots, he can be that dude. And in a playoff series, I wouldn't mind having Goran Dragic on the bench. A veteran, a guy that's been in the league for a long time, that has played overseas, has that Euro League, Euro Basket type of knowledge. I'd take um, Goran Dragons on my team. And again, look at Patrick Williams, 16 points. Vucevic with 14. This is a well-rounded team. And again, they played the Hornets, who offensively are a bottom half of the league team, which is a shock because last year they were fourth. Now, that fourth rating came from having an all-star in the mellow ball, and having a, a quasi-almost all-star in Miles Bridges, two guys that were averaging 20-plus points per game. You're missing those guys, so obviously the offense won't be as potent. I believe that once the mellow ball comes back, they will have more of an offensive punch. They'll get back into the top 15, maybe even top 10, just because that's how special the mellow ball is offensively, and you can make the plays that are spectacular, gets the crowd involved, gets the players involved as well. He really asked more than that from point guard. Next game up on the slate, we have Toronto 
versus the Spurs. This game was a no contest. The Spurs were missing Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, Isaiah Roby, Blake Wesley, and Jeremy Sohan. That's basically a starting five. You're, you're missing way too many players to really think it will be competitive. And Toronto made quick work of them. 143-100 to 100 victory. The Raptors are 5-3 and three on this season. Spurs are also 5-3 and three on this season. I expect the Spurs to kind of tread water with that 500 mark for now. Raptors, they look like they're on the ascent, man. Look at Pascal Siakam in the early MVP polls. Pascal was in the top five. 22 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists in the last game. And only 28 minutes. I'm not sure if he'll last that MVP conversation, but it's nice to see someone that isn't, you know, the LeBrons of the world, the Giannis's, the, the Luka Doncic's, people like that, you know, getting some love in the MVP conversation. It's not too often, especially for a Toronto guy, Canada. They're not getting too much love. So shout out to Pascal Siakam. Will he win it? Hell no. But, you know, it's good to see. Gary Trent Jr., 24 points. Scotty Barnes with 15. Ozzy Ananobi with 18. Chris Boucher with 17. Precious Achua with 12. And Banton with 13 points. That's Delano Banton with 13 points. This Raptors squad is a team that they really le- legitimately, like, play for each other. That's something that Nick Nurse emphasizes. You see in the summer, you guys are all at the Rico Hines runs in California playing with each other, playing against NBA competition, but they're playing like as a team. Like It's like the Raptors versus the NBA's best, but they're always playing together. I think that type of chemistry and cohesion goes a long way when you talk about building a type of bond, building a team culture for the Raptors. And again, just having... Guys that are all 6'5 to 6'8, lanky, can defend, who are athletic. That's going to cause problems defensively. And despite San Antonio not having their guys, still put up a decent fight offensively, considering how good this Toronto Raptors team can be. Of course, they're still waiting for Scotty Barnes to take that next leap. OG Anobi probably has another leap in him, too. This team could be very good in a few years. They're, they're good already, but. Could potentially be a top three team in the East in the next few years if everybody pans out developmental-wise. Next game, the Los Angeles Clippers took on the Houston Rockets, and it was the Clippers victorious 109-101. to Los Angeles 4-4 four four in the season, so at that 500 mark, Kawhi Leonard is still not in the lineup. Paul George was, and he was the X-Factor, along with Marcus Morris Sr., Got the name right because I always confuse him and his brother, Markeith. But it's Marcus Morris on the Clippers, Markeith on the Nets. Paul George and Markeith Morris, I said it again. Marcus Morris combined for 49 points on the evening, showing that depth at the small forward position for the Clippers, who have one of the best teams in the league. But without Kawhi Leonard and having real consistency with their lineups, they're going to have a hard time getting that type of consistency and cohesion that a team like the Bucks are going to have. A team like the Suns are going to have. Those teams are going to be at the top of their conference, and a lot of the reason why is because they have the same dudes. They've had the same dudes for a while. They have the, the chemistry that a team like the Clippers lacks, to be honest. That's been the impediment with them, not having either Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, or both in the lineup. 
Tyron Lue, as great as a coach as he is, that he is, they needed their stars to play in the games to ultimately, one, to be in them, but two, just to figure out rotations for late game situations, figure out the chemistry that's going to be needed. There's things that, you know, you, you can't teach on the fly, no matter how great a team is, no matter how great, how great the individual players are. These are things that you have to work on, play with over time. For the Houston side of things, Alfred Sengun, 26 points, 13 rebounds. Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, 22 apiece. You know, the young guys are going to score. I, I saw something on social media the other day. Jalen Green could possibly have a scoring title this year, which isn't necessarily far-fetched. Um, the stats right now don't necessarily back that up, considering the absurd rate that everybody else is scoring at. 19 points for him on the year. But then you consider, you know, offense is at a premium. Teams are going to be focused on scoring a lot of points. For Houston, he's their main option. He'll get a lot of the shots. His shots start falling more consistently. He can average 30. There's no doubt about that. It'll be up to the other stars that are averaging 30, like a Kyrie Irving, like a Durant, like Giannis, Luka Doncic, if they cool down, which right now doesn't look like it, especially for Luka and Giannis. It's going to be hard to get that. But, you know, in the future, I can totally see Jalen Green getting a scoring title. He's just one of those dudes that smooth under pressure, very much like Paul George in terms of that athleticism plus skillfulness. I don't think too many people have that, but Jalen Green definitely does. One of my favorite players to watch, especially in high school. He's going to be special. Next game up, we have the Memphis Grizzlies versus the Portland Trailblazers. And for Memphis, they were victorious in this one, 111-106. to This game was against a dameless Portland Trailblazers squad. Let's put that into perspective, but... Five and three Grizzlies, now five and two Trailblazers. Pretty even um, competition-wise. Both teams with a lot of depth. I want to highlight specifically, though, the Grizzlies, who they have a complete team, man. Yes, we all talk about John Morant. We talk about the potential that he has in terms of being a superstar, if not already being a superstar in this league. You look at the guys around him, his backcourt mate. Desmond Bain, he dropped 29 points, 5 assists, 8 rebounds, 5 of 8 from 3-point range. Steven Adams, he had 14 and 11, 2 blocks, 5 assists for a big man. That's great. Dylan Brooks, quiet night offensively for him. He had 9. Zanti Aldama, one of the revelations for this team, 11.7 rebounds. Contar had 10 points. Roddy had 10 points. Just a full team. And even Tyus Jones, he only had 2 points. Brandon Clark had 6. They, they play by committee. These are wins by committee. Just like a team I mentioned before, the Raptors, they really love each other. Like these guys, you can see in the post-game press conferences, even prior to the press conferences, once they win, they're dancing, pre-game they're dancing, hugging each other, having fun. Like it, it feels like a college team almost when you look at the atmosphere that these guys bring to an NBA stage. But it's fun. The younger generation definitely loves it. My younger brother, Jordan, he loves John Morant. Just the energy he brings, just the style. He really embodies that next generation of basketball players along with LaMelo Ball. These are guys that are going to be the future of the NBA. And 
John Morant with this team is also the future of the NBA. Next game up on the slate, we have the Washington Wizards defeating the Philadelphia 76ers. 121 to 111 in Philly. And for Washington, 4 and 4 on the season. Philadelphia, 4 and 5 on the season, dropping below 500 once more. And Washington was able to take advantage of an MB-less Philadelphia 76er squad. Porzingis had a great night 30 points, 9 rebounds, 3 blocks, 9 of 13 effort, 11 of 11 from the line. Bradley Beal also chipped in 29 points, 5 assists, 11 of 17 from the floor. Kuzma, 18, 8 of 12. With Washington team, that big three, I, I, I sort of scoffed at it when I first looked at it when um, people said, oh, is that really a big three over in Washington? But no, it is. It definitely is a big three um, for Washington Sanders anyways. And they could score. They could put up 70, 80 points combined on any given night. It'll be up to their defense to solidify wins for them. But clearly they put together a game that was enough to defeat Philadelphia, who still really doesn't get it to, can't get it together defensively. Despite Philadelphia being a top 10 defense, those numbers are pretty misleading if you ask me. I've watched a few Philadelphia games this year. They give it way too much open shots. Rotations aren't as good. Tyrese Maxey has spoken on this. They they aren't getting the stops that they need throughout the game, and especially late down the stretch. And, and it shows. For a team that kind of projected to be pretty good, I imagine, defensively coming in with acquisitions like a P.J. Tucker, Daniel House, Montrezl Harrell, guys that are, are long who can play different roles defensively. <laughs> in addition to having Tyrese, excuse me, not Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thybul, Joel Embiid, these are defensive guys. These are all defensive talents. They just haven't been able to put it together yet. That's something that Doc Rivers, he, he's going to have to manage. He's going to have to figure it out on the fly, and it takes time. I understand that. Season's just about 10 games in for most teams. But for Philadelphia to get to the lofty heights that they kind of expect at this point, which I believe is championship or bust, I think, if you ask anybody, Philadelphia fans, Philadelphia players, coaching staff, whatever it may be, that's the expectation. We have James Harden, who's, despite his injury, now is going to be missing a month. MVP-type season. I, I think that's pretty safe to say. One of the best players on the team, if not the best player on the team. Joel Embiid, obviously a MVP candidate the last few years. It's going to be tough to not really see this team as a finals contender looking just solely at the roster and even the stats don't look horrible but the optics the eye test and when they have played the top competition in the eastern conference the bucks the celtics the raptors one game they've lost and they haven't shown me that they're an elite team yet but i have faith in this squad i think they can get it done hopefully i'm right because philadelphia Phillies are in the, in the World Series right now. The Eagles are seven and zero in the NFL. Seven sixers got to get together, man. They got to get they got to get going. And the final game of the night, lots of games going on, is the Dallas Mavericks versus Utah Jazz. Dallas, they took care of business against Utah. 
103-100. to And this game, Luka Doncic, man, let, can we talk about how much of a, a gamer this dude is? Like, when you look at the stats for it this year, I just want to get this into perspective. 36 points for first in the league, 9 rebounds for a guard. Granted, he's 6'7", 230, but 9 rebounds, 9 assists for fifth, PER 36, as he constantly has a ball in his hands. Now, I, I play NBA 2K a lot. I play their my league function a lot. This is something that Luka Doncic would do in my my league. 36-9-9. And for people that don't play NBA 2K, usually when you first start, Luka's probably winning the first seven MVPs. And that's not an exaggeration. You, you can look it up, play the game yourself. He usually wins the first five, six, seven MVPs solely because he's putting up these type of numbers plus great efficiency from three. Right now, he's only shooting 24% from three. That number isn't what we're used to from him, not what we're accustomed to seeing. He's more in the mid-30s. Career, 33% three-point shooter to be specific. But, yeah, in 2K, he's averaging 50, 40, 90 type of numbers. 45 points, like something absurd, but these numbers are absurd. 36, 9, and 9, that's unheard of. They don't see these numbers too often. So, when you look at Luka Doncic, he is on a historic pace. His seventh consecutive game of at least 30 points or more to start the season. Nobody can stop him. He's essentially unguardable because he's too big for guards to really guard him. And for the forwards, it's like, all right, you might like move him off his spot just a little bit, but he's 230, and he, he's strong, he's crafty slow but fast at the same time herky jerky kind of style you don't that's really unheard of for a player man and when you talk about that streak of 30 plus point games to start the season the most recent player to do that 30 30 or more points in six straight was michael jordan back in 1986 87 luka is special they have to take into account the team that he has. They made it to the Western Conference Finals last year, and despite losing Jalen Brunson, they got Christian Wood back, a guy that looks like a six-man-of-the-year candidate, a 20-plus point-per-game scorer. You have other guys like Dorian Finney-Smith Jr., who I love, one of my favorite players. He does the dirty work. He can defend at a high level, shoot the three at a high level. Going back to 2K, I'll always get him in my, my league team. Just a great veteran, a great role guy that you want in your squad. Again, Tim Hardaway Jr., Maxi Kleber. They have just a really good squad. Some of the some of the games they had aren't great. A loss to the Thunder, a close loss to the Pelicans, and a close loss to the Suns. I think they'll still be a top four or five team in the West. But I think there's just so much talent at the top that they might not be in the top three that we expected them to be coming into the season, or at least I did, for sure. And for Utah, you know, a close loss. Close loss for Utah. Uh, Jordan Clarkson with 22 points. Off the bench, Tom Sexton with 19. Again, this team is a, a team that is by committee. They'll play tough defense. They'll be gritty. They got veterans that'll be able to score at different points in the games. Some runs there. 
it's just a team that's going to be a tough out no matter what night they play. I'll, I'll be interested to see if they end up making the playoffs. 6-3 right now, season's so young. They're still around the top of the West right now. I don't think they'll end up making the playoffs, but if they do, it'll probably be at a 7 for 8 seed. And maybe six games. I don't know who will be at the top of the West. I'm thinking Phoenix, but again, very early to tell. But Utah, no matter who they play, whether it be playoffs or regular season, it's going to be a tough game. And Utah, looking like they're going to win a lot more games than many of us expected. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate y'all so much for tuning into today's episode of the From Downtown Podcast. Make sure you guys rate five stars so we can continue to grow and move up on the algorithm. And thank you, you know. Thank you for tuning in all the time. Got a lot of NBA basketball done today. I didn't even realize it was going for damn near 40 minutes. I was I was just chatting for real, but, you know, I had a good time. Um, NBA's in a great place. I want to see Cleveland versus Boston Eastern Conference playoffs at some point. Semifinals in particular, I think that would be a great spot for that to happen. That's going to be a battle. That's going to be a seven-game series. That's going to be a series with probably multiple overtimes, considering what we saw in the first two games of this series. And you can't ask for more than that as a basketball fan, man. This year is flying by already. It's it's almost, it is November. Not almost, it is November. About ten games into the season so far. Before we look, it'll be December, then All-Star break in February, then playoffs right around April. So it's going fast, but you can check out the From Downtown podcast right here every day, man. Every day of this game, we're going to try and get you out some good content, some more guests. We're working on some guests as we speak to come on the podcast, talk about NBA hoops with me. And overall, I'm just excited for the future, man. So until next time, guys, take care.